The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. The Bob Dylan classic reminds us that the times, they are a-changin'. While he wrote that song about 60 years ago, it still holds true to this day, and in almost all areas of life, including the world of work. Today, we're talking all about how the hiring process is changing and what you need to know about it. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn's Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Today, we're inspired by a new report from LinkedIn about the future of recruiting, specifically what you, as a job seeker or career accelerator, should know about what companies want and expect from candidates. Our guest today is someone who helped contribute to that report for LinkedIn. He also thinks and studies everything about the world of work. His name is Dan Chabelle. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and managing partner of Workplace Intelligence. Dan's book, Back to Human, How Great Leaders Create Connection in the Age of Isolation, takes a prescient look into the benefits of socially connected workforces to prevent burnout. Before we get to the conversation, though, I want to let you know that Dan will join us on Monday, April 3rd at noon Eastern time on Get Hired Live to go deeper into this topic and answer your questions. You can find the RSVP link for Get Hired Live in the show notes. Now, back to today's conversation with Dan. First, let's hear about why he's so passionate about knowing what's happening on the ground when it comes to work. I actually believe that the future of work is now, but it's happening incrementally. For instance, on LinkedIn, I have a workplace intelligence weekly newsletter. I actually post like the top 10 workplace trends of the upcoming year, not the top 10 workplace trends of 10 years out. <laughs> Why? Because the stuff is already happening. And so I can kind of show through data and through corporate examples of who's adopting it and how they're using it and riding along that curve. And obviously, 10 years out, there's always unknowns. There's going to be recessions. There is a pandemics that we didn't account for. And what's really interesting, too, is the power dynamic. In a good economy or a bad economy, who has the power in terms of ability to get certain benefits and pay? So I've really looked at that over the past year because part of why I'm very passionate about this space is because of COVID and because of remote work and, you know, the shift in how people are working and living now. And that, to me, is going to be permanent in one way or the other you know, over half of knowledge workers are working in hybrid, that's becoming more of kind of a home situation and, and a conversation. And that's why I think it's kind of cool to be in the space, too, because this is what everyone's talking about. I'm so excited to have you on because I want to talk about really what happens behind the scenes for job seekers. As you talk to people and you talk to companies, what do you think is the biggest disconnect between job seekers and the companies that are looking to hire them? I think a big disconnect is expectations, especially for young people over the past few years during COVID of all these young people that are graduating from college to go from that and graduate and to working in isolation in your home or living with your parents is a huge difference. and can really affect your ability to kind of onboard and be truly effective and happy in your career. 
So I think that that's one of the big issues that's happened. And then that can potentially have long-term implications. They're kind of going blinded. And especially early in your career, you might not know exactly what you want. Job hopping is not about generations. It's about how old you are because you're much more likely and people switch jobs much faster when they're younger rather than when they're older because they don't know what they want. They're trying to figure themselves out. So that's another variable. I started looking in terms of what people want at different phases of their career and based on kind of age and where people are. For instance, when you're younger, you're much more likely to want to learn and to enroll in courses and, and extracurricular to be able to advance. You know, if you're 50 year old, you're much less likely to want to take 50 classes compared to someone who's 22 is like, I need to soak in as much as possible to figure all this stuff out. When you're older, you're much more concerned about healthcare, retirement and various things. So I think it's a question of where people are in their lives. There's something that I want to get back to, which is the rise of the side hustle. I have never seen so many people talk about an actual side hustle or a side business. Is that a liability, do you think, when you're job searching? Because I know a lot of companies, they may say, hey, that's great, you're a go-getter, but this can't interfere with your day job. Yeah, so as someone who had a side hustle and back then it was like moonlighting, it can conflict with your job if what you do outside of work really starts to take over. Um, so I think that you've got to be really thoughtful about that because most side gigs never turn into a full-time job. You just have to kind of use your best judgment and just be very careful if you're doing it. But I think it's really important that people at least consider a side gig. Why? Because it gives you more experience. It you know could serve as a transition to a new career, could transition into a new job at a different company if you're unhappy. So it's a kind of a leverage point and it protects you financially. And so there's a huge amounts of benefits to doing it. You know, again, practicing skill set, mm -hmm. work experience, experimentation. My biggest piece of career advice, have as much experience as you can as early in your life as possible, because the most important thing is figuring out what you don't want to do. You can really start to think about what you actually want and then make better career decisions throughout the rest of your life. You can really start to build this out and it can be very helpful from a clarity and self-awareness standpoint. We'll be right back with Dan Chevelle, and we'll dive into why skills-based hiring is on the rise. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors. I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And we're back with New York Times bestselling author Dan Chabelle, who helped inform LinkedIn's Future of Recruiting report. 
One thing I wanted to make sure I asked Dan is how and when companies decide to let go of talent during a rocky economy. I think there's so many factors. I think it depends on the industry, it depends on the company, it depends on where the company's headquartered at. There's just so many intricacies to this. So it's a very tough question. But if you go to your local restaurant, they're going to have fewer wait staff. So from you know an hourly work perspective, there is definitely a shortage of workers. I mean, there's no question. But in some areas, maybe you know a lot of these tech companies overhired. You know, in 2021 into 2022 and the other thing, too, is potentially companies are trying to exert more power because they feel like they lost control with so many people working from home. So that is a variable. Yeah, that goes back to the power dynamic, who has the control. But I want to get into skills-based hiring because I think it's a term that a lot of people have been hearing about for the past year. And it completely makes sense. If you could do the job, do it, right? And can you tell us a little bit about what skills-based hiring is? It used to be that you know companies like Google would hire based on GPA. <laughs> so imagine how many people get eliminated if they don't have a 3.8 GPA or higher. Now we're moving more into skills and assessments. Assessments are really, really big right now. And I think this really stems from the labor shortage, especially with certain positions in certain industries. That's the driver of this. A lot of the big companies only would recruit at like 14, maybe 16 schools. So it eliminates so many people. But now, because of the necessity, because everyone's trying to compete and close their skills gap and, and fill you know all these different positions, they're more willing to be open to do that. You know, what's really fascinating, this happened like last year, over 50% of teachers either have quit or want to quit their job because of burnout and how mm -hmm. hard it is to be a teacher, lack of pay. And a lot of them got hired to work and do curriculums for companies. So a lot of people have kind of pivoted using their skill set in one industry for another industry. So skills-based hiring is really kind of observing and hiring based on a certain skill set to hire someone. So companies are like, oh, we need to use some sort of assessment of, of their skills to be able to really filter through candidates to be able to get people who can do the job with minimal training. And if you're a job seeker and you're hearing the term skills-based hiring, is there anything that you think that they can do to take advantage of that? Well, I mean, LinkedIn just released the top hard and soft skills. And you can just look at what the most in-demand skills are, for instance, and start to take classes, whether at LinkedIn or wherever else, to be able to start to learn and uh, kind of master those skills and eventually get a certificate, then you can leverage that when applying for a job. So I always think of what would I do if I was a job seeker? One is I would do some gig work while I'm job seeking to at least start to practice these skills while I'm doing tutorials and taking classes to be able to kind of master and hone that skill set. And at the same time, I would find out what companies are hiring for someone with that skill set and then I would leverage the gig work I'm doing, the classes I'm taking, everything else like that to be able to then build a case to those hiring managers that I would message on LinkedIn and maybe through email. And then eventually someone's going to give you an opportunity and then you continue to hone those skills, grow those skills. Yeah, I think those are really great pieces of advice. And the other thing I really wanted to ask you is for job seekers out there who are saying I'm applying now or, you know, I'm really looking to make a move in my career, get a new job within the next year. What do you think they should be watching out for? So having an optimized profile on LinkedIn, having an optimized resume that you would submit will only become more important as technology is more 
heavily involved in recruiting and hiring. But I would say, I think what's really important is that you continue to level up and do other things while you're job searching. Don't be idle. I think that's something that is really, really important for people from a contextual standpoint that is focused on the work that you actually want to do. Build your brand for the career you want, not the job you have. The idea with that was think about what you want based on all the experiences you have and skill set, and then start to kind of build yourself into that role without having that role. It's almost like within an organization, you know, you want X role, you have Y role to get to X, you have to almost act like X before you get it, right? Like act almost like the role you want without having it. And then to be able to navigate into that role is much easier because you're sort of already doing it. That's kind of that philosophy. So it's all about positioning. And I do think that you have to think of your career as a collection of experiences. And in my opinion, most importantly, a collection of results. Your whole job as a job seeker is to lower risk. So if I look at your resume, if I look at the skills you have, the certificates you have, your endorsements, everything, you've proven to me, you're like, oh, wow, like if I hire you, the probability that you'll succeed and make me look good and make the organization successful is greater. So I'm willing to take this risk because it's not even much of a risk versus someone else who doesn't have that. But yeah, it's if you're less risky, you're more hireable. Yeah. And something I often tell job seekers is when a recruiter is getting your resume or your application or whatever it is that they're looking at the first time, they're kind of looking for reasons to get rid of you. Yes. I always tell myself, whether it's a kind of a sales engagement or back in the day when I was applying for jobs, how do I make myself irresistible? Back when I was applying for internships or even my first job out of school, I had a CD portfolio of all the work I did from a consulting standpoint and through internships. I had my own business card with my picture on it. I had my own website. I was on LinkedIn and I'd have a cover letter or resume. So I used to call it my personal branding toolkit, right? That helped sell me and it was extremely effective. You know, the one thing I would like to ask you for job seekers is looking to this year that's coming up. What is one thing that you would say is something that they should be doing to prepare for this coming year? The first thing is really analyzing the market. I think you should do this no matter who you are, where you are, how old you are. You really need to analyze the market, you know, take stock of your current skills, take stock at where you are. Are you happy? Are you not happy? You know, what about your job you like, not like, really do a kind of a whole analysis, just really size that up, strengths, weaknesses, everything, and then do work on, okay, where are the opportunities right now? Again, looking at like LinkedIn's data, maybe our data to show, hey, these are the most important skills. These are the most important areas that employers are looking highly upon. So I think that the opportunity and the accessibility of information and education has never been greater. And therefore, research becomes more important. And the biggest thing that recruiters complain about, done tons of studies on this, is a lack of preparedness for a job interview. The expectations for being prepared are much greater because literally while you're sitting waiting to go on an interview, you could prop your phone and like Google who the executives, like, let's see what the company's doing in Google News. Like, there's no excuses anymore. And therefore, we need to invest more time in doing the research so that we can save ourselves time and the employer's time. Yeah, I think those are great pieces of advice, and especially the last one with 
you know, online interviews, virtual interviews, you could basically have your notes in front of you. So there's no excuse to really be unprepared. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for joining me. It's been a great discussion. And I know job seekers learned a lot. Thanks for having me. This is highly enjoyable. That was Dan Chabelle, New York Times bestselling author and managing partner of Workplace Intelligence. He's also a workplace researcher. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. In fact, ask Dan your own questions on Monday, April 3rd at noon Eastern time on Get Hired Live. You can find the RSVP link in today's show notes. Also, if you like this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And of course, we'll continue this conversation next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.